This episode of The Local Bar is brought to you by you and the hundreds of other people like you that go over to patreon.com slash local bar is a place for you to take your debit card, credit card, whatever you got, and throw us a buck or two for all the content that we bring you each month. Anything and everything is done through that one channel. Anything that we're planning on doing in the future or anything we've done is all in that one place. If you want to help out, if you want to say thanks, if you just want to keep us rocking and rolling, please go over to patreon.com slash local bar. And thanks for all that you do. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. I wish I could spend more than a few minutes with you, but the polls don't close in the East for another hour. There are plenty of election results still left to falsify. (laughs) You know, with so many people participating in the political and social debate through call-in shows, it's a good idea to be reminded every once in a while. It's a good idea to be reminded of the awesome impact. The awesome impact. I'm sorry. uh, You're Dr. Jenna Jacobs, right? Yes, sir. It's good to have you here. Thank you. The awesome impact of the airwaves and how that translates into the furthering of our national discussions, but obviously also how it can... how it can... Forgive me, Dr. Jacobs. Are you an MD? A PhD. A PhD. Yes, sir. In psychology? No, sir. Theology? No. Social work? I have a PhD in English literature. I'm asking because on your show people call in for advice and you go by the name Dr. Jacobs on your show and I didn't know if maybe your listeners were confused by that and assumed you had advanced training in psychology, theology, or healthcare. I don't believe they are confused, no, sir. Good. I like your show. I like how you call homosexuality an abomination. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? While thinking about that, can I ask another My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? One last thing. Well, you may be mistaking this for your monthly meeting of the ignorant, tight-ass club. In this building, when the president stands, nobody sits. 
to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, You've decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we are incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found uh, Twitter, Facebook, Local Bar Media. And right into the show, chat at localbarmedia.com. Check us out on the web, localbarmedia.com. And, of course, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, the most important, if you want to help us out, if you want to be a part, come check us out. Patreon.com slash localbar. Um, it's a rather different show this week. I have, uh, I have been following my own rule and I have taken quite a few days to, to think about two, uh, two major, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing cause one of them kind of isn't, but, but two major, uh, issues that have popped up here in my life over the past week. One of them is rather important. Um, well, both of them are. And I wanted to make sure that I was following my own rule. Now, if you're new to the show, I have a rule that I I uh, throw out there into the universe. And I do it uh, pretty, uh, pretty liberally because it doesn't seem like anyone is listening to it. And I promise you it is a very good rule to have. And that is Chad's 48-hour rule. For those of you that are new, let me explain to you the premise and why this rule is important, not only to me, but to you and your overall happiness. The 48-hour rule works this way. If there is a major event, a tragic event, anything that is new and noteworthy, especially those pertaining to any kind of um, instance that may have an impact on us socially, that you should wait 48 hours before you run your big bazoo about it. And the reason why I say that is because uh, of a couple of things that need to be taken into consideration. Number one, we live in an age where social media really can run rampant. While you can get a message out there very quickly, you cannot really pull it back. And so it's best to wait and make sure that you're gathering everything and making sure your feelings are in check so that when you do say something, it doesn't come across in that initial emotional way that we all have. All of us have emotional reactions to things. It's those that allow us to, those, those emotions to rule us rather than fuel our cognitive ability to formulate a thought or objection. That's where we get into trouble. And social media has gotten rid of that for us. So I think it's very smart, especially in this, in this day and age, if we wait a beat before we move forward with our thoughts on anything. Number two, there's also the chance that you may not have all the information, as in the Jesse Smollett <laughs> case that we all just sat and watched. Um, what, a, what a horrible thing that was. I'm not speaking about that today, by the way. That's not one of the issues. Uh, but what a hor horrendous thing that was. Um, you know, the guy's obviously got major issues. One of them is uh, incredible narcissism to think that he needed to do something like that, which in a lot of accounts looks like he was doing it for professional gain. That's horrible. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people jumped forward on something, just like the Catholic schoolboys up in Washington, D.C., kind of jumped right on that, too. Um, it's always best to wait because when when you it's one thing for a news organization to do that. And, and while I don't agree with it, I can kind of understand because you want to be the first to the punch. You want to be the first to the story, you know, but you got to do a little digging, got to do some fact checking. And that's that's what they should be teaching you journalism students in school is this is what happens and how bad you look. You're not scientists. You can't say it was theory. You need to make sure you've done your research behind whatever points you can grab before you run with the headline. The, you know, the people that are allowed to run with the headline first and then look for facts later are the Inquirer and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of other ones that are that are out there. TMZ. And then every now and then they're right, and that's great. The rest of the time they spend in litigation because they're having to deal with slander and libel. So you, you you have to be very careful about that. And I think as individuals, we need to do that as well. I also want to speak on something today, and I want to ask that you just listen to me for a minute. This is not going to be a very long show. I've got, man, I've got a couple of great shows that I'm, I'm ready to bring forward, but this was not the week to, to do the one I want to do next. That's for next week. This week, I needed to let the 48 hours sink in, and I needed to talk with all of you about something. Now, I get uh, a good deal of praise from folks for speaking about faith-related issues on this show. I really don't hear from many of you that say, I wish you wouldn't talk so much about religion. I want to make it very clear that I am not here to preach to anyone today, okay? I am not preaching at all. What I'm doing today is taking the thoughts and the, and the emotion and wrapping it up as pragmatically as I can and delivering it to you on a subject that I, I need to make sure is, is heard. Because this is something that, quite frankly, means a lot to me and something that I feel uh, very strongly about. And it's not necessarily one issue, but in something that kind of lives and breathes in all of us and something that binds all of us in a way. Uh, it's not necessarily the subject, but the air that exists and connects this subject with so many others. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my own faith today to give an example. And I want to make sure that I'm very clear on two very important points here. And I so go back to the fight that uh, the, the band that I'm in, Don Merkel and the Blacksmiths, had with the... Um, Main Street Public House and that whole that whole debacle. Um, you know, it took Don quite a few days to think about what he wanted to say. And he said it, and it was something that we all stood up for and something we all believed in. And then one of the things that happened is because people weren't really paying close enough attention, the Public House on Divine Street got a lot of bad rap that they didn't deserve. So I'm going to ask that you that you please listen to me when I say this. Please, please, please listen to me when I say this. I am not preaching religion. I am not a theology professor. I am not someone who fully understands 
everything about religion. So I'm not trying to preach to you if you are someone who believes a certain way or someone who uh, does not believe in religion. I am not trying to force anything religious on you. If you feel that way when I'm saying whatever I say, I want you to understand that you are making it about religion and not about the point that I'm trying to hit. Number two, I'm about to say some things very, very critical about an organization. And I want to make damn sure everyone understands this is not a representation of anything that my father feels. It is very easy sometimes to take anything that I've said because my father is a United Methodist minister and think that we believe the same thing. I'm not saying we don't, but I'm sure as hell not saying we do. I will tell you that in the past, my dad and I, when it comes to religion, have dif differed greatly. And there are some areas that we still do. I do understand he's a lot smarter than I am. And I do understand that my father knows quite a bit about theology. That My dad's forgotten more than I'm going to ever know. And I get that, and I respect that, and I have that respect for him. My dad also has an understanding of something I'm going to talk about here in a minute that, that has to do with how we look at tradition and how we look at realism. And it's one of the things that he did teach me that has allowed for me to go into my own space. Now, what dad has allowed for me to do is formulate my own thoughts and opinions, but has asked, if anything, that I do research and reflection in that area. That being said... That's where my dad's guidance really, quite frankly, has ended, not because he doesn't care, but he understands that there needs to be uh, a chance for you to grow in your own faith. Okay, before you turn the radio off, you bunch of atheists, hang with me, because I'm going to be talking about something that you need to hear. And it's it's not religion. Okay. But we need to start with the very first atrocity that happened this week. It was the one that probably shocked more of anything that I saw on Facebook. I saw more negative posts about it. People were really surprised. I, I think some folks were privy to uh, the, the conversations that were happening. Some folks knew there were some meetings. They knew that there was, some, uh, there was a scuttlebutt going down. But no one really knew exactly. And then it, 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 it kind of just broke really quickly. And it caused there to be a huge stir that really has kind of shaken the community in, in a way that I haven't seen in, in, in quite a while. Um, I'm not talking about the Methodist Church yet. I'm, I'm talking about the Rosewood Crawfish Festival. So those of you who aren't privy to this, we have this festival here in Rosewood. Rosewood is a neighborhood in Columbia. It is a, is a neighborhood that over the past 20 years has undergone um, an, an amazing revitalization and remodeling, quite frankly. Uh, it's still in the midst of that. And so there are parts of it that are wanting to always make sure we're bringing in new people, find ways to make sure we're breathing life into the community. And nothing, nothing did that more than a festival we had every year called the Rosewood Crawfish Festival. It's very easy to understand. It happens on Rosewood, the main thoroughfare that goes through our neighborhood, where they block off the street for a day, they bring in billions of pounds of crawfish, and they have about uh, four or five stages with music constantly going of local artists, and then every year they seem to go and get this 90s band uh, to come in and uh, headline the show. Now, 
One of the things that I have found with this debacle is a lot of people were crapping on the idea that they brought in 90s music acts. As a guy that grew up in the 90s with high school and college in the 90s, I actually quite enjoyed that. And um, I'm a little offended in all of you that are ripping on music of my college generation. I mean, I don't know if I could have gotten through without... The wonderful lyrics of the Gin Blossoms and the amazing guitar licks that they have. Let me walk down Amnesia Lane, please, when with my 90s bands on stage. Don Mark and the Blacksmiths got to play there last year. Uh, we had a blast. We had a great show. Oh, my God. It was a great show. And it was hot. Hot as hell. It was like the devil was going to show up. It was so hot at this thing. But it's always a blast. And everybody in the neighborhood walks to this festival. And it is jam-packed. And it makes, it, it, if it doesn't make a lot of money, it's its own fault. Uh, it's family-friendly, got kids there. They've always had kid rides there. Here's, here's how this thing started. It started actually in the parking lot of uh, one of the um, main restaurants here, uh, Rockaways. It got so big, they moved it to the street in front. And now suddenly, just like <laughs> under the cover of darkness, just like the Mayflower buses that packed up the Baltimore cults and moved them to Indianapolis, we are now seeing our Crown Jewel Festival be packed up and moved down the street about a three-quarters of a mile, maybe, to the dreaded state fairgrounds. Now, if you know anything about Columbia... The fairgrounds are where we have, well, our state fair every year. Whether it likes it or not, it is basically the parking lot to, to the University of South Carolina fighting Gamecocks at their football stadium, Williams-Brice. It has some buildings where you have cover. It's got all this parking. So it's very easy for you to charge more. It is very industrial-looking there's not a lot of beauty to it, even after they've added thousands of dollars to beautify this place. It is as stale as a cracker that you found behind the fridge right before you move to the next house. Okay? So they're going to move the Crawfish Festival down there. So it is now outside of walking distance. It is not the neighborhood festival that it was anymore. And you, you can understand that the neighborhood went into a tirade about it on Facebook. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I did jump in a little bit and, and say that I didn't like the idea, but I've thought about it for a little bit longer. And I want to bring up something that I think is very important and something that, that you need to know and understand and how the Rosewood Crawfish Festival can greatly affect your life. Yes, even you who doesn't live anywhere near Columbia, South Carolina, it can affect your life. The reasons that the Crawfish Festival moved is they wanted better parking. They were concerned about the heat. They, 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 gave, they gave a lot of bullcrap reasons. All right, look, they're moving down the street because some merchants and some neighbors bitched about it. Okay. I have a problem with this. This is, I want you to understand why this issue is important to me. This is not only 
what feels like a political issue for me locally, but even a religious issue for me. Because when it comes to anything that I deal with, whether it's politics or religion, I do look at through the idea of liberty and freedom. Okay. Now, before you think I'm going either all George Washington or William Wallace on you here, walk with me for a second. I'm, I'm always for more opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm not for stifling anything. Uh, I understand and that we are a nation of laws and we have rules and regulations, and I get that. It doesn't mean that I have to agree with them, but I can understand why they're there. We're civilized people. Okay, that's fine. I also how, understand how abuse of power works. And so it, it's really hard for me whenever I see issues that I think are restrictive. I always want to jump in and find out why. And if I think it's unjust or wrong, well, then I would always say something about it. I don't really do that nowadays. Now I speak into a microphone that goes into the internet and talk about it. So it's a little bit different, which is why my 48 hour rule is so important because I don't really edit or take shows off the internet. If I have said it, I mean it. And so in doing a little bit of digging and talking to someone who was on the, the board of the Rosewood Merchants Association, one of the things that I found was a couple of things. And that that and seeing people actually speak their mind about this, here's what happened. Some of the merchants in town didn't like the fact that they couldn't park in their locations. If they were outside the gates of the festival, people weren't able to get there. Folks wanted to walk into their bathrooms. You had drunk people. Everybody always talks about drunk people. They go to drunk here here's a here's something that i've been seeing if there is a if there's a festival in your area one of the things you'll see is if an if a merchant is not directly involved they'll start talking about the drunk people that go through their parking lots restrooms puke on their doors whatever it is just like how people go for the children and government issues. Yes, but we have to do this for the children. Well, why, why do we have to appropriate uh, $2.7 billion to uh, this uh, warehouse out in Nebraska that we're going to build nuclear missiles? Because of children. Do you not understand? This is about children, Chad. You can't look at budgets for your child. It's, 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 what, it's what merchants do. I, I've, I've seen this now more and more. It's the drunks. People are going to just come and puke in my parking lot. All right. Probably so. <laughs> we live in a college town. As I said, we are hardly a mile away from Williams Bryce Stadium. As classy as I'm sure most of the students are that go to the University of South Kakalaki, there's quite a bit of puke that happens on Saturdays in the fall. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not looking out for a puker's rights. But here's what, what bothers me. I, I saw neighborhood folks chiming in, too. I don't want people parking in front of my yard and puking in my lawn. Well, <laughs> let's let's never let that happen for, for a month. I mean, that would be terrible if that went on a month long. Oh, it's a week? Oh, it's a day. Oh, so we're talking about one day of your life that someone may park in front of your driveway. You know, if they do park in front of your driveway, call a tow truck. I promise you, those tow trucks will be on full alert because they love making money. It's a it's a phone call away. I, I live here too. 
<laughs> I've done that too. You see, everyone who lives in Rosewood lives in Rosewood. So everyone that has the opportunity to go to the festival also has the opportunity for their their um, road to be blocked, their driveway to be blocked, and have puke in their flower bed. We all understand that can happen for a day. Now, are you maybe over-exaggerating a little bit? Are you maybe making too much of it? Here's here's what I, my thought is on the uh, on the merchants too that I was talking about. It's funny. Some of them jumped real quick into talking about how they're glad it's gone. And then when somebody brought up the idea of, well, I would like a list of those uh, merchants that uh, didn't want to participate in it because I'd like to not go to uh, their 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 places anymore. Oh, my God, it was amazing how some of them were back, backtracking faster than those defensive backs do down at williams Bryce Stadium. It was amazing how quickly, <laughs> how quickly some of them turned around. And I'm not I'm not here to say that we need to do that or, or put that out there. I completely understand if you don't want to frequent those places because they have helped take away one of your favorite parts of showing off your neighborhood. But I'm not necessarily calling for that. Okay, so just keep that in mind. But the thing about it is, as a guy that does uh, consulting and sales and marketing for folks, uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they don't understand the opportunity that they have. Get involved. Get inside the gates. Make sure you can let your business be seen a little bit more. Be open. Yes, but drunk people will try to use my bathroom. Sell tickets to your damn bathroom out front. Paul the Pizza Man did that one year and made a freaking killing off that. Plus, it gives the opportunity for people that are outside the neighborhood to see your business. Set up a table out front if you don't want people coming in. Limit what you've got for your business. You don't have to shut down. And you know what? If that's too much trouble for you, then that's fine. Just shut your doors and shut your mouth and grab a beer and have a good time. And listen. Listen to a little uh, driving and crying for, for a little bit. But no, we'd, we'd rather see it go away. So merchants show that they don't have the marketing prowess they need to have. By the way, I, I, I'm getting the feeling that the ones that are the most upset about it are the ones that were on the outside of the gates. Not, not necessarily, I mean, because they're physically there, but because they weren't involved either. Too expensive to get involved. Really? What's your marketing budget for the year? I, I can go ahead and tell you where you're wrong on that. There's, there's, not, there's not a marketing consultant that would tell you that 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 makes sense that philosophy makes sense it makes no sense i don't care how much money it costs you to get in there and get involved it's just it's a that's a you missed out big time so there's that but on the neighbors i'm really upset about that i mean this is not footloose okay You, you don't have to sit there and be a curmudgeon and say those kids don't need to be listening to all them the driving and crying music those gin blossoms that hootie and, and that blowfish, they've never played it, but the jumping little children. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. It's one day, and I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to hear me if you're one of those people that disagree with it. You are not that important. Oh, Chad, how dare you? Oh, my God, Chad. That's, whoa, whoa, Chad. Back it down a little bit, man. No, I mean that in all sincerity. One of the most... Um, impactful things I ever learned in my entire life. And yes, this is coming from a guy who thinks so much of himself that he speaks to the internet, but hey, you listen, so that's just the, what it is. 
But someone told me a long time ago to to take life seriously, but don't take yourself so seriously. You know, your, your life is important. What, what what role you play and the impact you make is important. But cool your jets a little bit on yourself. You really think that your driveway being blocked or your cat possibly getting a little puke on its head is the best thing to to do in this situation? Like you should you should take away everyone's good time. You you can't get by one day. How about come join everyone? It's not your scene. Read a book. Do something in your backyard. Maybe find a way to sit out front and get to know your neighbors as they're walking past. There is an opportunity here to better the place around you. This festival has brought people into this neighborhood, a neighborhood that, quite frankly, 20 years ago, most people didn't want to drive through. Now it's been revitalized in a way that I don't think most people that live here even understand. And this festival had a major thing to do with it. But it's not just that. It's not just that. We live in a day and age where we want to fight about everything. And we want to sit there and say that people need to get together. And this is a a manner of which... We can do it. We have problems in our society. There's crime. We we have issues with our schools. We, we have issues with each other. All the social justice warriors want to sit there and bitch about everything. And all the other folks that are deniers of everything else that want to say that the world is great need to come together every now and then. They need a chance to spend some time with each other. And if that means sitting and listening to Third Eye Blind play a song that's been dead for 20 years, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you can't come together over Edwin McCain singing I'll Be, then I don't know if there's a chance for this world. All joking aside, it it is a shame. It's a shame that we don't realize that, that when we when we have a festival and something that brings a gr- group of people together, yes, there's money that needs to be involved. There's permits. There's bands that have to be played. There's incredible headaches. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. And I'm not saying that you have some responsibility to do this every year, but due to what you wanted to do, due to the fact that you sought out to make money and, and do all this cool stuff, you have now brought people together in a way that is phenomenal. And you've brought them together in a place where they can sit there and watch their kids ride uh, crazy little rides and listen to bands from the 90s sing songs that they've forgotten and drink beer that is way overpriced and then go throw up in, in Irene's yard. You've given them the opportunity to do that together as a community. And I'm going to tell you that that act in and of itself is one of the major reasons for a revitalization and a continued revitalization of a neighborhood that I see beside me and to move it to a stale, out-of-the-neighborhood location takes that away from those folks. Now, I've already seen some stuff that's happening. Some of the merchants that are extremely cool, um, shout out to the folks over at Foxfield, have been wanting to uh, do something 
because it's been such a great event, not only financially, but for this neighborhood. And they care about that. And I love that. I've seen my wife and other folks that are busy on that awesome neighborhood pay, neighborhood Facebook page that I've told you about before, try to get together and they're trying to find some life somewhere. Maybe we'll do a small little gathering at somebody's house. You got it. Hell, last year on my birthday, we had four bands just set up in the backyard. We started playing around four o'clock. We finished up at about 11 when the cops came by. I want to thank Irene for waiting till 11 to call the cops. We were done by then anyway. There is something there, though, that I think we miss and we forget. And it's 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 what it is, is it is the art of including people. In a world and in a day where all we do is push each other away and call names and make accusations, this is not why we're supposed to be here. This is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to get along, and we say we want that. And so the the folks that run the Crawfish Festival, I understand that you, they have their reasonings, and I understand that they listen to a few loudmouths, and they decide to try something different. And it's probably easier for them, and they probably do see a lot of dollar signs with it too. They could charge for parking. They can do a lot. Good, good for them. I'm not saying they've got some moral... Um, responsibility to run this festival. But if I were running it, it wouldn't move. Even if I was breaking even, when I had the opportunity to bring people together and do something like that, man, I never, ever want to let it go. You go out there to bring people together to show them how they can enjoy each other's company, to where we can kind of not just forget the world around us, but see that we are so much alike, make new friends, find a new restaurant that we want to go and visit, go back across town to see those people. Hell, maybe even move to this neighborhood that is making incredible strides. And then take that out into the world. And hopefully, hopefully in some way, at least in some small part, replicate it. Does it sound crazy? It's not. You should see the people that are complaining about this festival moving. It is an important thing. It's not the best business decision. Actually, I think it's really stupid for them to move. And I've got theories, and we can go into it later, about why I actually think they're going to lose. And it's not just for the folks that are... Uh, Rosewoodians not going to the festival. I just think because of where it is, I don't think they understand their draw. And I, I don't think in, I'm saying in four years, it will be around. I just, I'm, we'll revisit that in four years from today. I'm just, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. Um, but going back to what I was saying, it's important to remember that there are things that are bigger than you. And sometimes in this world, we've got to, um, not abandon what our original intent and purpose was, but understand there may be a bigger one. There may need to be a shift. There may need to be a change. This is why I'm so incredibly upset with the United Methodist Church. I, I would say I'm Methodist because my father is a Methodist minister. It's easy for me to say that I'm Methodist because down here in the South, that's kind of like saying, you know, what football team you pull for. You know, up north, are you, are you, are you Jets or Giants? Are you Mets or Yankees? Down here, are you Baptist or, or, or Methodist? 
Um, we have that down here too. It's Carolina, Clemson, North Carolina. It's Duke or North Carolina. Um, but I've always I've always been related to the Methodist Church because of my father. As I got older, I was more appreciative of the fact that I was part of the Methodist Church because of the way that the Methodist Church is set up. Now, for those of you that are atheist, agnostic, or even folks that just don't understand the Methodist Church, or have only heard, you know, well, the Methodist, they allow for, uh, they allow for the, uh, they, they allow for you to drink and dance. Okay, so it's not just that. Okay. One of the things I want you to understand that was very important for me to to get, and I've referenced on the show before, was the idea of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Okay, so what that is, and walk with me here for a second. John Wesley, the guy that created, the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, was born in England, uh, son of a Church of England clergyman, uh, guy guy kind of knew his stuff and everything, right? So he came up with this idea of the Wesleyan quadrilateral, and it is it is there. They're resulting four components or sides of the quadrilateral. Wow, professional podcaster. That that's that's hard to say. The the four sides are this: number one, scripture; two, tradition; three, reason; and four, experience. Now, I want to be I want to be very uh, frank in anything that I've ever read or studied on this. They do believe that scripture is the guiding force on this. So think of it more as four points on a on a quadrilateral, with one point being the top, and that being scripture. I I, I it, I'd have to ask Dad. I've not run this by him. I believe that's kind of the way that it looks. But it's not that tradition and reason and experience don't hold an important part. Uh, according to this article that I read uh, from the people of the United Methodist Church. Tradition is the experience and the witness of development and growth of the faith through the past centuries and in many nations and cultures. Experience is the individual's understanding and appropriating of the faith in the light of his or her own life. And then through reason, the individual Christian brings to bear on the Christian faith discerning and and cognate thought. You get what I'm saying. You got got four points, right? I spent seven years. I spent seven years separated from the church as an adult. And I spent seven years kind of walking through my own wilderness. Not that I was shunned away from the church, but I didn't feel like I was a part of it. And part of it was due to my age, and part of it was due to, uh, during my first marriage, my um, my then-wife's uh, feelings on church. And there was a lot that was going on uh, with us and some things that, that both of us had been through uh, prior to getting into our 20s and married life that caused us to both uh, look look away from it. And in that time period, and it was seven years, I spent seven years, I spent time, maybe not praying, but in meditation and reflective thought, looking at myself, reading up some books on different things, and really trying to figure out why I had such a problem with my religion or religion overall. It was very easy for me to look at people that I would see on TV, especially politicians, uh, especially ones that I didn't agree with, and point and say, well, they're just religious. It was easy for me to point out the hypocrisy that I saw from folks that would say one thing and do another. It was uh, easy for me to look and listen to a group that says they talk about love, but then sit and look and see that they uh, do the exact opposite. And it was one thing that uh, I saw one day. 
and the details of it aren't very important, but it, it opened my mind up to something that I hadn't realized all along. It wasn't my religion. It wasn't spirituality. It wasn't my faith that I had a problem with. It was people. It was the congregations. It was the church. For my friends that are atheists and agnostic, think about this. As you travel, there's not a place on the planet that you're going to go that you're not going to see something that points towards spirituality. Maybe not the Christian one that you're faced with so much here in the United States, but in some sort of religion. These, these temples, these, these cathedrals, these things go back for thousands of years, some of them possibly bastardized by their marrying of the government, but not all of them. And isn't it one thing that you have to sit back and notice that and understand that thought and say, oh, my God, there must be at least something to this. And if that is the case, then what has messed it up? And I want to bring forward to you that it's people. It was people that I had a problem with. It wasn't the, the religion, it wasn't the law, it wasn't the idea. As a guy that is a Christian, that it believes in the Christian faith, it's very easy for me to explain to folks that don't understand my religion what my belief system is. I've done it in kind of a roundabout way on the show before. I want to be very straightforward. Whenever I'm having a deep religious discussion with someone, this is how I explain it. The question usually comes apart, well, when you look at all this stuff from the Old Testament, when you see all these old laws and how they talk bad about everything, when you see all that, how can you sit there and say, when you see what people were doing to folks during the Crusades, when you see how folks were using religion to say this is why we should have slavery, when you were doing all, when you're looking at all that, how can you say you're a religious person and it's very easy? I told you I was Christian. I look at what Jesus said, and what he said was very simple. Be nice to each other. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is basically the teachings of Jesus. Be excellent to each other. Yeah, but what about all this? No, what, what, no. I said I was Christian. What did Jesus say? Did he tell you to go judge people? Did he tell you to go kill people? Did he tell you to do any of this other stuff? Yes, but Chad, when you look at the writings from the Old Testament, the Bible was not faxed down from heaven by God. And I realized something very important. Whether you're a religious person or not, if we are look back on history, we do know that a guy named Jesus existed. We do know that for a fact. Whether he was a son of God or son of a man, we don't really know. That's fine. But we know this guy existed, and he went around and taught that people should be nice to each other. And you know what? I happen to just kind of believe that guy. Oh, I have a belief in God. I have a belief in a higher power. I have a, a faith that is constantly searching for answers, but more often looking for opportunity in the face of obstacles to better myself and the people that are around me. Not to necessarily make them start preaching the gospel and be evangelical, which some people say that I should be more. I understand your thoughts on that, but this is what I do. I believe we should be nice to each other. I believe when there are obstacles, we need to find the opportunities to be nice to each other, to bring things together 
not to separate them. And I always felt at home in the United Methodist Church because we talked about these things. A lot of people don't know this. United Methodist Church was the first church in the United States that allowed for blacks and whites to worship together. I don't know if you've been keeping up with our history, but for a while there was a big no-no. And they did it. They did it anyway. No matter what was written in the scriptures. They did it because it was the right thing to do. And now, now they've had a convention and they have decided that homosexuals cannot be pastors in their churches and homosexual marriage has no place in their religion. Okay. I don't agree with that. It's very easy for me to say that. But I'm disappointed. Oh, there's religions that I don't agree with. I don't agree with half the crap that the Baptists say. But it's not just that I disagree with them on this. I'm disappointed. Not because I wanted them to carry any banner or fight any fight or even lead the charge, but I didn't expect them to take up a stance that was ending the conversation. Now, they will say that they aren't ending the conversation, and I will say, no, you ended it in the 1970s when you put this rule in, and then in the late 1990s when you started enforcing it. Because let's just be frank, you really didn't until then. So we're saying that homosexuals can't be preachers because we see homosexuality as a sin, which is a good thing that no one who ever committed adultery is a preacher in the United Methodist Church because, well, you know, no one who ever cheated on their their, their spouse is a is, is up there because, you know, and, and anyone who ever got divorced, no one who got divorced has ever gotten married again in the United Methodist Church because, well, you get what I'm, I played the clip at the beginning of the show. You, you get where you can get bogged down if you're trying to say, no, 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 Chad, it's the rule. No, 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 Chad, it's the law. Because you see, that's what I like so much about John Wesley, was he understood that there were things we were going to have to think about, and there were things that we were going to learn. One of the biggest problems I have as a Christian defending churches and religions, especially the Christian religion, is the fact that there's an Old and New Testament, as if there's not a testament being written today. Who's to say that we're not still learning and moving forward? You can find things in the New Testament that contradict things in the Old Testament. I would advise you not to get bogged down in that, but you can. So who's to say we're not moving forward, that we're not okay with it? Now, I also live in a state where being gay is not always the easiest thing. I've had Jen Snyder on the show. I've had other folks on the show that are homosexual. Some of them have talked about it. Some of them haven't. There's no reason to be exclusive when you can be inclusive. And the thing that bothers me about it the most, that bothers me so much, with the Methodist church is that it's not hurting anybody. Two men that want to get married and raise a family, two men that want to get married and have a continuous relationship committed to each other and want to do it in a church because they believe that that is important to them. It's not hurting anyone. 
Two women that want to get married because they want a family and they want to bring them up in the church because that is how they've been brought up. It's not something that's hurting someone. No, the exact opposite is happening when you make the decision that you've made. You are now hurting them and hurting their chances to grow spiritually and feel loved with where they are because you're saying that it's not welcome in your church. Here's the other thing. And I'm really sick and tired of the piety of Christians who say this. Well, I just love the sinner. I just hate the sin. Oh, really? Don't ever, don't ever, do not ever get so high and mighty over the fact that someone sins differently than you do. Did you hear me on that? Just because someone sins differently than you does not make them worse than you less than you does not mean they can be excluded because you do not like their sin. What if we kicked out everybody that had an adulterous affair out of the church? Anybody that got divorced? Would there be anybody left to put money in the offering plate if we took out all those who have lied on a blind date? (laughs) Everyone who ate pig is not allowed in this church. That offering plate's looking pretty small. It can just be a Dixie cup now. I'm not trying to insinuate that it's about the money. What I'm trying to say is that it is something that lives and exists in all of us. And for us to turn around and say that people that want to come and be a part of our table are now not allowed to sit here because we think it's icky what they do. It's a sin, Chad. There are a lot of sins in that book, bucko. You want to start telling people they don't have a seat at the table because they have a sin? Your seat isn't here either. I don't agree that it's a sin. I'll take that up with God when he and I talk. I don't agree that it's a sin. I'm not convinced that that's not just man and his rules. I'm not convinced that when the Jews wrote that in Leviticus that they weren't trying to become a great nation and when you're gay, you don't have kids. I'm not convinced that it wasn't just the ick factor, just like it exists now. I'm not convinced in any of that. If God shows me the errors of my ways one day on that, I will get on this on this podcast and I will tell you exactly what I've seen and why I feel like I've changed my mind. I don't think that's coming. I think I understand wholeheartedly about being inclusive about not just letting your own problems get in the way, about something that doesn't even hurt you. I mean, two people getting together because they won't even marry, they want to get married don't even puke on a cat. And how egregious did you think it was that that lady would want to bitch and moan so that our festival would have to leave the neighborhood? At least she's got some puke that she can point at. There's nothing wrong and nothing that is bad for you about two people that want to get married somewhere. And they're telling you they want to do it in your church. And they're telling you they want to spread the word of God in your church. And you don't want them to do it. Because you don't like their sin. I'm not a United Methodist. I thought I was. I'm not. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I go to a church that is based out of the Presbyterian church. Don't start cheering too much over there, Dawn. I'm not saying that I'm ready to say that I'm full Presbyterian yet because the Presbyterian church will let me down as well. I understand they all do, and that's fine, and I get that. And that's not really what my, my point is about the Methodist church. My point is this. There's always some things you disagree with, but the idea that we're going to be forward-thinking, we're going to have conversations, we're going to be open, we're going to discuss this, the fact that that is now closed in an area that makes no sense to me means that what you've said before is not true. You see, it's not what you say, but what you do that defines who you are. Open hearts, open doors. That's crap. Be inclusive, not exclusive. Just like I was talking about the people for the Rosewood Merchants Association, the people that run the Rosewood Crawfish Festival, just like the United Methodist Church, you have brought people together. You have given them an avenue to come in from the storm outside to learn their differences. Welcome in the differences. Let people see that there is something different. Some people may not like it. Some people may not agree with it. It doesn't mean you shut your church down. Yes, you can make more money if you do something else, but what are your principles and what do you believe you're, you're, you're put here for? Are you making an impact in the place that an impact was needed? And then when the opportunity, whether it's more money, a chance to make parking a little bit easier, maybe pull in some bigger bands if the stage is easier, or listening to some... Folks complain we should leave. And the Methodist Church is hearing folks, a dying generation, one that has been wrong on homosexuality, but also on race and sex. Hearing it still continue to die out. And don't get me wrong, the echoes ring for a while, but they eventually die. And they are now going to say that the doors aren't all the way open, that their hearts aren't completely ready love well that's fine but you're not my church and do not ask for me to take up for you i spend time on this show speaking about my feelings and my spirituality and i do it in a very open way and i make no apologies for it and i get letters from time to time of people asking me to be more evangelical or people asking for me to promote things that are going on in their church and sometimes I do, and I don't mind doing that. But then, quite a few times, I'll hear from folks that want me to start talking a little bit more about um, things that I find that are restrictive. And if you haven't ever heard me talk about how I feel our laws are, I feel the same way about religion. I understand that we have to have rules and regulations because we need guidance. But I don't like things that are restrictive. And I understand that obstacles will become of that. But as I've said already four other times on this show, that obstacles only present opportunities for you to better yourself and better the people around you. Yeah, I'm disappointed that the Rosewood um, folks are moving that festival. I think it's crap. And I think it's terrible because it doesn't allow for a group of people to get together in the way that we were. So we'll just have to do it a little bit differently, I guess. And we will. Some folks will go down to the Crawfish Festival, and I'm sure they'll have a good time. And then some of us will be probably in the backyard of Foxfield, listening to whoever's playing, drinking beers that are going to be a little bit cheaper, and having a good day together as a neighborhood. 
I don't know what the Methodist church is going to do. I haven't said this, but only a couple of times in my life. And you can ask the folks that I've said it to because it's been a long time now if I meant it when I said it. And I mean this to the Methodist church, not to any congregation, not to any building, not to my dad, but to the Methodist church that makes a rule like this. That I will not speak for you any longer. You do not speak for me. And you will waste no more of my time. The world, the world is constantly pulling us apart. We are constantly pulling each other apart. There is racism, there's sexism, there's homophobia, it exists. But not everyone that disagrees with you is racist, sexist, and homophobic. We sit there and we, we throw those words out so loosely that when it comes time to it, we don't really understand when we're actually seeing it. and We miss it. We are our own worst enemy. We fight. We don't like everyone's ideas. And all of that is okay. Disagreement is where some of the best ideas in your life can ever come from. And you don't have to hate someone you disagree with. You don't have to call them names. Just because you see it in the world doesn't mean that it's true. That is a magic trick. That is a distraction. We can see it in our own local levels. We can see it with what's within our reach. You can get along with people that you are different from in ideology, in religion, sex, race, any of that. We can all get along. We can. We've done it better before. We're doing a terrible job of it right now. I'll tell you what's going to help with it. Go find a festival. Go find some friends. Go find some neighbors that you haven't talked to in a while. Find those moments. Bring people together. If you host events like this, think about that. I'm not saying that would have necessarily kept them here. But think about it. What difference are you making? Does it mean more than the dollar you're making? Not making enough? Why don't you talk to the people that love your festival? I bet they'll find a way to make it more profitable for you. And if you're a church, if you're a church, that isn't your table. That's God's table. You just keep that in mind. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. Hey, real quick, if you are in the Columbia, South Carolina area, in the Rosewood area, at City Roots, there's an awesome festival on March 2nd. It's our Mardi Gras festival. Duncan Sims plays at 5 o'clock. Don Merkel and the Blacksmiths play at 2. Come check us out. Until next week, take care. This podcast is part of a local bar media. 
For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com.